earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, and thanks for joining me today, as the month of December is now upon us. I can just feel the tension in the air, the anxiety, anticipating all the preparation ahead for what's coming on December 24th and 25th, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Friends, having grown up in northeastern New Jersey and being raised as a child in a mainline church denomination, I really gained an appreciation for the calendar of the Christian year. I'm guessing that most people brought up in the more mainline church denominations were raised and went through life being very aware of and being very much a part of the seasons of Advent, Christmas, Lent, Passion Week, Easter, or as I prefer to say now, Resurrection Day, as well as other key dates throughout the year we all celebrated in church. And so today, a season that is close to my heart, and perhaps close to some of yours, is the event that kicks off the Christmas season on the Christian calendar, Advent. You know, those four weeks before Christmas? Now, before you blurt out that the word Advent isn't even in the Bible, I'd like to inform us all that it actually is in the Bible. And the concept of preparing for the first coming of Jesus, anticipating him, or expecting him, is clearly introduced in the Hebrew Scriptures, or our Old Testament, if you will. In fact, in the Old Testament book of the prophet Malachi, in chapter 3, verse 1, and chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, we read these amazing words. Now, keep in mind that this is almost 450 years before Jesus is born. And this is the Lord God speaking through Malachi. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Did you hear that word prepare? As in, Prepare the way before the Lord? Did you also hear that word come? As in, then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come. 
Now listen to these words from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 17. The angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah and said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. That would be Yohanan in Hebrew, by the way. He, John, will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Did you hear that, friends? To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, to really appreciate the Advent season, we must appreciate the cycle of the Christian year, It was a teaching tool used by the early church to bring the truths of the life, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ to an uneducated or fundamentally illiterate population, that being the common people in the first century and not the educated religious elite. The common people did not have access to the wealth of books we have now without Bibles as we know them and without the printing press for mass production and distribution. Teaching was primarily a one-on-one or small group endeavor. And with reference to the spread of Christianity, this was the initial and primary way to transmit spiritual information We see this in Acts chapter 2 and in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and chapter 3. The prophet Malachi's text I read earlier hints at the coming of the Lord when he states, Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The Hebrew word here for come means coming or arrival similar to our English word advent, which is rooted in the Latin word adventus, meaning arrival or to come. Luke's New Testament parallel verses we read reinforce the idea that John the Baptist will become the forerunner of the Lord himself, who will come to his people. And by the way, the Hebrew word for Lord in these passages is the name of God, represented by the four letters Y-H-V-H, sometimes pronounced Yahweh or Yahweh. So friends, this provides us with the most startling biblical evidence that the Messiah, Jesus, was very God, as of course he claimed to be. Now, for Christians or anyone tired of or plagued by the commercialism and merchandising that has so marred the Western world's celebration of Christmas, the season of Advent actually provides us with a key for recapturing the true meaning of Christmas in our individual, family, and even 
church lives. And I propose that recapturing the real meaning of Christmas is possible by proactively preventing the holiday's spiritual reality from being ripped away from us. So, friends, I'd like to suggest that my three A's of Advent will actually help us all to enjoy this season as it is now in full swing. The first A of Advent is the word anticipation. Developing a personal and or corporate sense of anticipation and expectation is the first key to building into our lives an appreciation and preparation for Christmas. In the first century, when Jesus arrives on the scene, the Jewish people already had a heightened sense of anticipation and expectation in their longing, their hungering for the coming of their promised Messiah. I'm even guessing they were salivating for him. I mean, really, wouldn't you? If you as a Jew were living under the iron thumb and the continual scrutiny of the Roman government and being oppressed as a people, wouldn't you be salivating for your prophesied Messiah to come and deliver you? You bet you would. So, as Christians, the traditional seasonal hymns such as O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus, are perfect for sharpening our focus on this initial stage in our Advent journey. And friends, if you're driving right now, or perhaps listening on a mobile device, or perhaps even the podcast, maybe you don't have access to a standard church hymnal. No worries here. You can just do an internet search for Christmas hymns and find O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and Come, Thou Long-Expected Jesus. Read over and meditate on these incredible lyrics. Try to picture yourself in those hymns, longing for deliverance from your oppressive circumstances, crying out, for help and rescue. Now, don't tell me, friends, or rail on about how the Judeo-Christian scriptures are irrelevant or that the season of Christmas is just a myth for little children but holds no relevant meaning to you as an adult living in the 21st century. Have you not been in a situation that you longed to get out of? Have you not cried out for help? Have you not sought to make a big change in your life to get yourself away from a toxic or dysfunctional situation or an oppressive environment? Then grasping the true reality of Christmas and its backstory in the Old Testament is perfect for you. In our New Testament book of Matthew, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, we find the Jewish religious leaders— I love to call them the JRL, by the way. They're being summoned by King Herod to tell him where this long-expected Jewish Messiah was to be born. 
Herod asked this in response to the Magi's inquiry. Then, in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, we hear John the Baptist referring back to the Hebrew prophet Isaiah's words, challenging his audience to prepare the way of the Lord. So, friends, taking just a little time to read through the birth narratives, the Christmas scriptures in our New Testament, just as Matthew chapters 1 and 2, Luke chapters 1 and 2, and John chapter 1, and poring over them, meditating on them during the month of December, is one great way to immerse our minds and hearts in the truths we hold dear. This affords us an opportunity to proactively and deliberately fill our minds with these great and meaningful truths. There are even a host of Christmas time devotional booklets and books that can be ordered online that we can use as weekly readings to help us. So, friends, this is the first A of Advent anticipation. Our second A of Advent is the word arrival. This annual retracing of the cycle of the Christian year, and particularly the Advent season, is a routine, I promise you, that will bring great spiritual dividends. It's a subtle but effective way to reinforce some of our long-cherished spiritual truths. Here we can ask ourselves two quintessential questions. Just what does the arrival of our Messiah Savior actually mean to us? Just what has Jesus' arrival done to mend the chasm between a holy God and we sinful humans? Some questions, huh, to ponder at Christmas time? Here, Christmas hymns like, O come, all ye faithful, joy to the world, and hark the herald angels sing. Serve to sharpen our focus on this idea with such meaningful words as, Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, and peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. In the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, verse 1, and verse 14, the apostle declares these legendary words, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, we hear these tremendous words, and the angels said to them, now this was the shepherds, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ 
the Lord. Now, peeling back the layer of language here and hearing this as if we were hearing Hebrew, it would sound like this. There has been born for you a deliverer, a rescuer, who is Messiah, even God. So this is our second A, arrival. Two additional quintessential questions. This begs us to ask ourselves are these. Just how is Jesus' arrival some 2,000 years ago affecting or impacting my life in the here and now? Or how do I live the Christmas spirit everyone talks about only during this one season of the year all the time? Well, perhaps rereading and refamiliarizing ourselves with the birth narratives or the Christmas scriptures, as I call them, along with the Christmas hymns, might help us to focus on Jesus' arrival the first time and then reflect on just what his arrival into the world has meant and is meaning to us on a daily basis. So, friends, we have the first A of Advent, anticipation. The second A of Advent, arrival. And now we have the third and final A of Advent, astonishment. I love this word, astonishment. It carries with it the meanings of being filled with wonder, being surprised almost in a startled way. It also includes being amazed, being filled with awe. Just for a moment, friends, imagine that you were a lonely shepherd in the first century Israel. On that fateful night, the angelic choir bursts forth from the night skies and clouds and sang to you personally. And the song's lyrics shouted out the great news of a Messiah deliverer coming just for you. We see this wonderful account in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 18. Here Luke tells us in verse 18 that this news evoked wonder from those very shepherds who heard that personal message. The Greek word here, friends, carries in its meaning these wonderful English synonyms, amazed, astonished, marveling, wondering, surprise. Here's a perfect example where we need to put on our first century sandals and our smelly robes of the shepherds. I'll tell you, friends, if I were a lowly shepherd back then, thought by the general public in that society as outcasts and having a dirty, smelly occupation, often viewed as on the lower rung of the ladder, I'd be thoroughly amazed that the angels were singing this message to me. 
to me personally. Friends, this glorious song of salvation was being sung to these lowly, despised, and smelly shepherds. Imagine having heard this all your life. Can anything good come out of a shepherd's field? And then this? Well, something good certainly came out of a shepherd's field that night. You know, friends, I got to tell you, astonishment still grips people today in a most unusual way. Many people are surprised and astonished to hear that Jesus Christ is God's exclusive Messiah Savior for all people, bar none. Also, people today are astonished to learn that no other Savior or religious leader will do. This is why people today are tolerant of every religion except Christianity. You see, Christianity makes exclusive claims and is therefore criticized as being bigoted, intolerant, and downright snobbish. In theology, this is called the scandal of particularity. I love that phrase. It simply means it's a scandal to the human mind that God would choose to reveal himself to the human race at one particular time in history and in or through one particular person, that being Jesus Christ. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? Believe it or not, though, the Jewish religious leaders in Jesus' day said it first. In the prophet Micah's book, in Micah 5.2, we read, And you, Bethlehem, out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Later, in the New Testament book of Galatians, The Apostle Paul remarks, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the Jewish law. In other words, the law of Moses. So, friends, perhaps during this Advent Christmas season, 2019, for a brief moment in time, we can tune out the commercialized and merchandised version of Christmas and tune in the real version, the version that tells a truly spectacular story. Come to Bethlehem and see him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Friends, this is the message of Christmas, 
and the message of all time. Think about the people in your own circles of relationships and in your spheres of influence. How about we all make a vital contribution this year to their lives and to their true understanding of the message of Christmas? Remember, preparing the way for the Lord also means preparing other people's way to see and experience the Lord of Christmas, the Messiah, Savior of the world. Friends, as we near the close of our program today, I just want to remind you that I'm a local pastor here in the valley. Though semi-retired, I am active in overseeing several disciple-making communities that meet at various coffee shops. I would love to pray for you. The broadcast will close with an email address where I can be contacted, so please listen for it. This email is also where you may contact me to learn about how you can help support this program. I'd be grateful. Thanks for listening, and always remember that Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com.